Nice to have you with us here on another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork here alongside D-Loop. We look back at K-State's 31-23 victory over Southern Illinois and uh, a big game this week as the Wildcats welcome the Nevada Wolf back to Manhattan. Both teams 2-0, both teams just kind of right outside uh, the top 25 AP poll. Should be a, uh, a good game. K-State going to have to do it without Skylar Thompson, their senior quarterback, as he uh, left that Southern Illinois game in the first quarter with a uh, knee injury. Uh, we'll have more on him here in a little bit, but I want to welcome d back. You know, d this was a game against Southern Illinois that uh, we felt pretty comfortable uh, with K-State uh, handling their business. Of course, that injury to Skylar Thompson came in in a big way where K-State uh, – kind of struggled there in the second quarter for sure uh, after taking a, a, a nice lead here in the early part of the, of the first half and then trailing at halftime to the Salukis. K-State's able to rally and, and get the eight-point win. But, uh, you know, this game uh, against Southern Illinois, a win's a win, I guess you can say, but uh, not quite uh, a win the way the Wildcats would have liked to draw one up, I'm sure. No, at first, you know, the first 10 minutes of the game, it looked like pretty smooth. Pretty smooth sailing. K-State offense looks pretty darn good. The defense holds its own. Uh, just a interception by Thompson, but otherwise it, K-State's offense was rolling pretty comfortably and showing a dynamic in terms of the uh, vertical pass game there in the early part of the game that we hadn't really seen against Stanford. And it had frankly been a while since we've seen K-State's offense do anything like that. And so, from that element, the game started out pretty darn encouraging, and it looked like uh, everything was going according to plan. But like you said, all of a sudden, I can't remember a time that I remember a game U-turning quite as abruptly as that because that was a uh, roller coaster ride of a, what, about a 10-minute stretch there where it looked like K-State was a legit top 15 team there for a second. And then it looked like K-State was a team that would struggle to compete with an upper-tier FCS team. But uh, like you said, K-State gets it done, finds a way to win, um, given the rough circumstances, and, and moves on against Nevada. Yeah, no, that uh, it, it was kind of a game of survive in advance. Um, once you kind of got down to really anything post – uh, second quarter. I mean, the second half was far from a thing of beauty. K State. Um, I kind of want to. I kind of want to go in reverse here, where um, we can we can kind of look at what um, kind of look at what K State did uh, with Will Howard at quarterback first, and then kind of go back to what K State did with Skylar Thompson. You know, K State takes takes uh, you know a commanding twenty one three lead. Um, and that's after Skylar Thompson kind of gets injured down there in the red zone. K-State's able to punch it in. Uh, however, 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 K-State goes in the, into, the, um, into the halftime break down 23-21. Really what the, the story is there is a couple of different turnovers, pick six, uh, and then a fumble that sets uh, Southern Illinois up for an easy touchdown. And uh, K-State finds themselves trailing going into the second half at that point. What was going through Dealer's mind? Well, it was – I mean, it was a little jarring just because, 
like I said, I, I can't remember a stretch of football that was that crazy for K-State ever. I mean, K-State gave up 23 points in the second quarter to a, a Southern Illinois team that, while a, a very solid FCS team, probably isn't scaring anyone to the extent that they're, you know, some kind of juggernaut. But what K-State had four turnovers before halftime. Yeah. And so it, between that and the chaos of Thompson going out, frankly, I was really – halftime couldn't get there soon enough. Oh, yeah. It was, yeah. it was clear that the team just had no composure. You had Howard as a deer in the headlights back there, which was kind of inexplicable at the time. Uh, the only saving grace is that aside from really one drive that the defense – didn't hold their water in in the first half. Uh, they were they were pulling their weight, but it was just a matter of the offense was just such a liability uh, that it was it was pretty darn concerning. You know, you mentioned lack of composure uh, as as the Wildcats said in halftime. Obviously, with with uh, Skylar Thompson's injury uh, there, you know, late in the first quarter, um, you kind of wonder how much did that play in terms of what, you know, what other players were? Because I mean, really when you're looking at it, watching the game on, on TV, you know, like, like most folks were. And if you were at the game, of course, too, you saw it, but all in all kind of uh, what the inferences you were able to read looked like it was a very severe injury. Now, We've since learned that it hasn't nearly been as severe as what was once anticipated, which is, is good news. And we'll hit on that here in a little bit later as well. But how much do you think that took, you know, in, into um, into uh, into the, the Wildcats mental psyche there? And also, too, in terms of, of climbing, having uh, been out there and, uh, you know, with Thompson crying, you know, and, and kind of breaking down there. What uh, what do you think that kind of do you think that message kind of permeated throughout the rest of the team? I mean, I think it's easy to say that it, it, it may have. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that, well, a couple things. First, it, it's hard to tell whether the entire team lost their composure after Thompson went down, because I think that's probably making it. I just don't know how true that is because really you look at what happened um, and yeah, maybe the defense lost its composure a little bit. They had the long, they had the long drive. Yeah. But with the defense, I mean, they, they essentially got gifted. I mean, obviously Southern Illinois scored the pick six and then we set them up there inside the 10. Uh, so, I mean, I, I don't think it's the defense. I think it's more of a, an offensive side of the ball thing. Well, I mean, well, I, I'm giving them the pretty much a pass. Right. But, but I am saying that the, the defense did give up two scoring drives uh, in the first half that were legitimate. I mean, giving up a 17 play 61 yard, almost seven minute drop field goal drive. Uh, granted there were some fourth down conversions there too. And then a nine play 75 yard touchdown drive. Uh, which didn't look particularly difficult for the Salukis. I mean, those that those first ten points did not come at the hands of the offense. Really, that, that's something the defense sure. gave up that's fair, fair and square. Uh, but with respect to the offense, I mean, you know, Deuce fumbles it. Is that a lack of composure? Maybe. 
probably not just because it looked like kind of a freak thing where a, a big paw got in there and, and got his got a hand on the football maybe not the best ball security but it's hard to chalk that up to him losing his cool and, and you know maybe his mind being elsewhere I think that sometimes running backs just fumbled even really good ones like uh deuce uh but if there was a lack of composure that you can really point to it was Will Howard I mean he's the in the first half he was the one aside from you know the defense giving up two less than pretty drives uh he was the one who was just obviously panicking and maybe the offensive line was losing its cool. I, I know people point to Noah Johnson as having kind of a bad game yeah. last week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but it was clear to me that, that it wasn't so much the team uh, lacking composure as it was really just Howard not being ready for the moment um, coming in there and really, and it's, it's strange because I thought Howard did a, pretty darn good job on his first two drives and i'm including the one he finished off after thompson went down in the red zone but then that subsequent drive he looked pretty good too and it was only really after deuce fumbled it that it looked like he came back out there and at this point it's you know it's a it's a five point game but then he comes out there throws the pick six uh he has another pass there towards the end of the half that really should have been intercepted and could have been yeah. returned again. And then ultimately the fumble, which again, you could point to the offensive line, but the the quarterback's responsible for not dropping the football when he gets sacked. And so, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a little, the, the narrative that the entire team lost its composure after Thompson went down. I don't know about that. I, I think it was really just, you know, normal things, maybe not playing up to its, it's true potential for the defense and, and the, the fumble by Deuce, which I think he's earned the benefit of the doubt on at this point. But but Howard in the first half was was the real thing that stuck out to me in terms of somebody who's who's just not in the moment. Yeah, and, the, you know, we saw that the Will Howard of, I mean, maybe not to the extent of, of kind of the, the late first half turnovers, but we saw that Will Howard quite a bit last year. And, you know, the second half was a little bit more even for him. I mean, you know, his first drive out uh, after halftime leads K-State on a 14-play on a uh, 66-yard drive that takes up nearly eight minutes a clock. Now, most of that work's done on the ground. And I think that's going to be a recurring theme uh, when we start talking about the Nevada game uh, for, for what K-State might have to do to have success. Quite frankly, you know, I, he's going to have to be able to make some plays uh, to, for K-State to come out on top against Nevada. Now, we'll look at the Southern Illinois game here as we're, you know, we're still talking about that. You know, and he did make some nice throws. Um, he had some very bad throws mixed in there. Uh, but, you know, he did have the nice throw to Landry Weber kind of down the seam route. And then um, another one that was really, you know, probably his biggest throw of the day uh, to Phillip Brooks uh, on, on a third down. So, I mean, th- he did have some nice moments. I, I think obviously most of uh, the discussion around Will Howard's play on Saturday is is talking about how the turnovers uh, negatively impacted K-State. And, and that's rightfully so. But uh, to, to dismiss what he did 
on some, you know, key plays, especially that one to Brooks, uh, you know, should be, should be mentioned in the interest of being fair. Oh, absolutely. And you, and you gotta be fair. You gotta be fair. And, you gotta be fair. The, the pass to Brooks was great. The pass to Weber was, was very fine. He, he made some good reads in the run game. He made some bad reads in the run game too. Uh, but you know, I, I went back and grinded on the film. Yeah, I, like I was to I was gonna ask if you still had that because uh, I know you charted those plays. I, I'd be interested if you would break them down here for the listeners. So, in the in the in the pick six drive, he he had a it was a first play of the drive. He had he had a read option. He kept. He should have given to Deuce. Bad play. Obviously the uh, the pick six bad play. Um. Later on, this is the uh, uh, just a, another drive in the first half. Uh, he airmailed a pass to Malik that probably should have been caught, or probably should have been, he should have made that throw. Uh, later on, the next play in that drive, he he bungled the pass to to Deuce, which should have been intercepted. One he, one uh, note here, real quick. He loves the error route or the the little error route out of the backfield or option yeah. route to deuce and he locks when that route is called or is part of the play that's where he's throwing it every time yeah no absolutely he he, he completely locks on it and you know to to be fair because you gotta be fair yep that be has fair. been one of his better i mean that's one of his during his K-State career is one of the routes he's had the most success with. So I can understand that. However, uh, there are some times that it, it is just not there. And uh, there are a couple of times that he probably uh, should feel very lucky that he did not, uh, did not throw that interception. Oh, absolutely. And, and the reason he likes it is because a deuce is always a big play threat. I mean, it's, we saw it against particularly against Texas tech last year with Howard. Mm-hmm. Um and B, it's an easy throw. Yeah, it's a throw short right and across easy. the middle, yep. and it, it's just not a very complicated pass. But you're absolutely right; he does get tunnel vision, and, and that's kind of going on with some of these plays. I'm noted. Yeah, in the same drive as is the uh, airmail pass to Malik, the bungled pass to Deuce, which should have been intercepted. Uh, it ultimately resulted in his fumble. I know he got sacked, but uh, the fumble I'm pinning on him. Um, and then after halftime, we just asked him to do so little. Um, you know, we, we ran it just so disproportionately in the second half. But uh, on his eighth drive, he had that ridiculous pass to Malik way across the field uh, on the sideline, on the far sideline. That's a really tough throw to make, and he didn't even get close to, to nailing it. And uh, he had Brooks coming open downfield in the middle. If he just hung in there a little bit longer. And then finally he had a pass outside to deuce that never really had a chance when he had Aaron of inside for uh, a fairly easy game, but uh, that's it. I mean, I mean, it's those seven plays I thought that were, you could really pin on him is making a, what I thought was a pretty clear mistake. And, you know, it, it seems like, Saturday was probably the worst game of his career so far or right up in the conversation of it. Um, but, you know, it, it boils down to those seven plays. And when you, when you figure how little he was asked to do in the second half, it, it's that's those seven plays are, are a big portion 
of the plays he was even involved in. Yeah. It, you, you look at his pass line here on ESPN, eight, uh, eight of 17, 76 yards, one interception, a whopping QBR of 9.6. Definitely not going to be able to get it done against Nevada uh, with a line like that. So we'll be interested to see kind of what the game plan looks like. And we'll, we'll give our thoughts on that here coming up, but let's also, we we've taught, let's transition here. Get, unless there's anything else you want to add on the offense. I mean, one thing I did, I guess, want to add Deuce Vaughn, 26 carries, 120 yards, three touchdowns. You know, you just come to almost expect, you know, four and a half yards a carry. You you come to expect uh, Deuce Vaughn being up there around a hundred yards, um, hundred yards rushing uh, another just typical day of the office for him. And, and he's really uh, living up to the hype. No, no sort of uh, sophomore slump for Deuce. No, I mean, I thought he played a great game. 26 carries is a lot for Deuce. Yeah. Vaughn. Yeah. Um, I, so credit to him for being, being a little workhorse. Uh, although, you know, between Irvin and Wright, only uh, 11 carries for those guys. They combined for a little over 70 yards, 71 yards between the two of them on 11 carries. And I, and I just got to think that those two are going to need a bigger slice of the pie moving forward just because, you know, Deuce is a diminutive little guy and doesn't quite have that mass that Sproles had later on in his career where he's able to, to really handle that load. Um, and so from an injury standpoint, from a wear and tear standpoint, and even just from a staying fresh throughout the game standpoint, uh, I think Irvin and especially Wright, who is you know, still not getting uh, very many carries, uh, we're going to have to see more of them moving forward. Yeah, Deuce Vaughn's 26 carries uh, are the most in his career uh, against Southern Illinois. His previous high was 19 last year against Baylor. So, you know, it, it, when K-State was really – hamstrung with what they could do creatively offensively with Will Howard in there uh lean on Deuce Vaughn's not a bad option to have and no and, uh, I, and I think that was I think that was on purpose too that you know after the chaos of the second quarter it's who's our most who's our best player who's our most reliable player and who won't who do we trust not to turn the ball over and even despite his fumble in the first half Courtney Messingham clearly indicated that that person is Deuce Vaughn well, and then I want to touch on uh, Malik Knowles as well. He um, he looked like he might have been on track for a monster, monster day. I mean, still a very nice day. Four receptions for 112 yards. Uh, hauled in a 50-yarder, hauled in another, I think it was 45 or so yarder from Skylar Thompson before he left for the day. Uh, looked like Malik Knowles might be having, having a really uh, – kind of a big breaking out party here uh, as he enters the 2021 season, you you know, with what you saw from him, that looked kind of like the Malik Knowles that that K-State fans were used to seeing a little bit of uh, in 2019 as well. Yeah. And I I have to think that out of everybody on the team and everybody, even in the fan base, that the person most disappointed when he saw Skylar Thompson go down had to have been Malik Knowles because here's a guy who's, never really pulled together an entire season throughout his career. And finally uh, he's having a career game for himself uh, there just in the first quarter. And all of a sudden the quarterback goes down and he goes from a guy like Skylar Thompson, who's been around the block probably has a lot of uh, some pretty good familiar with familiarity with 
Uh, and then in comes Will Howard, which uh, after the second quarter just kills the game plan. And that basically is the end of the passing day for K-State. And Malik Knowles doesn't, uh, doesn't quite have the uh, outrageous day that he was, he was looking at, although still a very good day in his own right. But moving forward, uh, yeah, you, you got to feel for Malik Knowles too because he's an indirect victim of, of Skyler's injury. You know, let's talk offensive line a little bit here. You know, I guess as we, as we round out the offensive side of the, uh, offensive side of the ball here, you know, K-State ran the ball obviously a lot and, and ran the ball pretty well in the second half. Uh, dur- throughout the day on Saturday, uh, they rolled up 208 yards uh, rushing on, f- on nearly 50 attempts, uh, a little over four yards of carry. You know, when K-State became so one-dimensional there in the second half, I think that makes it, you know, pretty darn tough for them uh, to be able uh, – to, you know, maybe create those, those running lanes uh, when, when Southern Illinois is, is, is able to tip their hand at what they think is coming here uh, in case they still trying to run into the teeth of that defense. With that being said, you know, offensive line, maybe it was maybe a little bit underwhelming, but overall I can't, I can't complain too much. We, we were looking for him to kind of take a step forward uh, after the kind of what was a lackluster second half against Stanford. And, you know, I think maybe we saw maybe a marginal step forward, uh, but still plenty of room for improvement uh, with that unit in my eyes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I got to say that there were times, especially when Howard came into the game and, and to not to make an excuse for him, but the offensive line was a little porous on some of his dropbacks. Yeah, um, no, that's that's completely fair. And you know, the the scapegoat I've seen is, is Noah Johnson at center, and you know that's a guy for whatever reason the coaches really adore. He's he's been in the program a long time, and uh, but just can't couldn't quite uh, stop the Southern Illinois pass rush on Saturday, and that's a concern. That's a real concern because this is far from. Uh, one of the top pass rushing units we're going to see. In fact, I think we're going to see a much, a much better one this weekend. And so uh, the run defense, yeah, you, or the run offense, excuse me, uh, with the offensive line, you saw some diminishing returns there just because K-State did become so one-dimensional, especially in the second half. Uh, and, and so Southern Illinois was making it a little hard to get much of a push up front. On the other hand, uh, when K-State did have pass protection opportunities, didn't do a great job. And so I think if, if there's one spot that really needs to be improved, it's uh, pass protection, uh, especially for a quarterback like Will Howard, who has shown that he can get uh, some happy feet and get the yips and, and isn't the, doesn't have the most poise under pressure. I agree. Offensive line is really going to have to um... – is really going to have to to pick up their game. If, if there's one position group that might be, um, I mean, other than other than Will Howard, now the guy, uh, you know, a, as the trigger man for K State. If there's one position group that I'm looking for to take a big step forward uh, for K State to keep winning, uh, to keep winning games, is that offensive line. They're, they're going to be leaned upon heavily. Uh, here throughout the next several weeks and for the rest of the season, as far as that goes as well. Uh, let's, let's really give it up here for the defense. Um, they pitch a sh- shutout in the second half. They pitch a shutout in three of the four quarters. 
Uh, you know, the second quarter for the Salukis where they, they scored all 23 of their points. Um, some of that coming on short field, some of that coming, um, on some, on some lengthy drives as well. You know, let's talk about this defense. They, they caused three turnovers, uh, you know, led, led by, uh, you know, I thought Felix Anaduke Uzama. He he's added the uh, the additional uh, name there at the end. You know, he was a monster out there. Three sacks. Um, a guy that uh, was was just in the backfield for Southern Illinois throughout the day. Uh, getting back there and wreaking havoc. Defensive line. Uh, Khalid Duke was in there as well. And, and then, uh, you know, a highlight real play uh, on the Jaden Pickle interception uh, as the ball's uh, tipped up by Henny there. Uh, it, that was uh, that that play really kickstarted this defense and, and got K-State started. Uh, unfortunately for K-State, they, they turned the ball over right after that. Uh, but uh, defense played well, hamstrung a little bit by um, some short fields for the Salukis. But uh, in the second half, K-State, you knew it was going to be kind of a, a struggle for, for the offense to score a whole lot of points. And uh, you knew the defense was going to have to kind of have to pull their weight uh, maybe twice over. And uh, they certainly did that. Yeah, absolutely. And to their credit, in that second quarter with some of those long drives, that's still when Daniel Green wasn't uh, on yeah. the field for K-State. And so yeah, uh, playing a little shorthanded there. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you can say about the defense that, that you didn't just say. Felix, um, man, best game of his career by far. And one of the best single game performances I can remember um, out of a out of a defensive lineman for K State in a long time. Uh, three sacks is outstanding, and I believe I know he had at least one forced fumble. Um, did he have two? I can't remember whether he was responsible for two. You know, but, I haven't been able to see. I, I'm looking here on ESPN, and I'm they're not showing the um, they're not showing the. Um, the force fumble and fumble recovery. I think I might have to go to, to the official box score on K state to, to get that for you. But I, I couldn't remember if it was either him or, or somebody else, but in any event, an outstanding game by him. And that's a guy who early on in this season has just become an absolute star for K state. And doesn't well, really seem, it yeah. doesn't really seem like he's got the ballyhoo yet, but um, he will, because I, this is a guy that so far this season looks like, lo- like he has what it takes to be an all-conference selection is is a second-year guy um, in the program. And so a uh, huge, huge day for him uh, and a great day for the defense. Like you said, pitching a shutout once Daniel Green gets on the field and really coming up big at key times in a, in a game that they had absolutely had to be damn near perfect in in the second half. Yeah, King Felix there with both uh, forced fumbles – uh, you know, on the strip sacks, you know, the other thing too, I want to mention, uh, with, uh, with this, with, with this defense is, you know, we talked a lot about what Southern Illinois wants to do with the ball, uh, in terms of their passing game in case it's going to get a lot better test this week, uh, with Nevada coming into town, but with Southern Illinois, you know, we knew that they were going to try to throw the ball quite a bit. And, you know, they didn't really have a whole lot of success. They, they threw the ball 28 times, 
16 of 28, 176 yards and interception. I mean, that's six, that's uh, a little over six yards uh, per reception there. You know, really when it comes down to it, you're going to live with that. I mean, that's going to work. And we thought Southern Illinois might have a little bit more success, but this K-State defensive back group, we thought that that was going to be a strength of this team going into the season. And, you know, granted, K-State's going to face a whole lot better receivers than what Southern Illinois is going to, going to present this year. And, and with what we're going to see uh, coming into Manhattan this week with Nevada, you're going to see some some really good ones that are, that are you know, not just, uh, you know, Big 12 quality, but, you know, really some of the better – receiving tandems um you know that k-state will see all season long uh gosh i have to think that k-state's defensive backs are looking at this opportunity uh against southern illinois as as a passing grade but i've seen a much bigger challenge uh coming up with nevada here on saturday yeah and and what i'm starting to see develop with k-state's defense especially its pass defense is this great synergy between this really strong uh, defensive backfield for K-State that it has guys like Branson and even guys like McPherson as he gets on the field more um, in Russ East and, and all these guys that they brought in and guys that are older. You look at Echo Boido, you look at even rotational guys at this point who are great in their own right, like Justin Gardner. I mean, we've talked about this before, but you have this really solid defensive backfield. And then with uh, Felix, I mean, we Coming into this year, we thought, man, we're K-State's missing a big piece of its defense last year now that Hubert's gone. Um, where is the pass rush going to come from? Well, Felix answered that question pretty comfortably. Between yeah. him and Duke, um, you're, you're seeing this synergy between K-State's defensive backfield, which has lockdown ability, and this great pass rush led by Felix that's you know really pressuring quarterbacks on that end, too. And, and what you're left with is a defense that's pretty darn hard to pass against. I mean, we've talked about it all along that if, if there's a soft spot in this defense, it's, it's at the linebacker position. But the, that three-man front, 3-3-5 three, defense makes it really hard uh, when you add in guys like Wayne Jones and even Ross Elder in there uh, in the middle, coupled with Daniel Green, that, that all of a sudden that soft spot isn't so soft anymore, at least against the pass. And so uh, – I, I think that, that teams are going to have a real challenge trying to pass the ball against this K-State defense when you consider the, the lockdown secondary, the pretty ferocious pass rush at this point in the middle part of the defense that isn't looking so bad uh, in the early part of the season. You know, that's a great point. Uh, playing some good – playing some of the best football uh, that, uh, you know, in terms of on the defensive side of the ball that we've seen uh, from K-State here – uh, under Chris Kleiman. I think this is where I feel like the, the defense has been, you know, really a, a strong point. And, you know, with, with what you're going to see here against Nevada, which we'll get to here shortly, K-State's defense is going to be put up to the task. I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be a really good matchup for, for K-State's defense. And I mean, something I'm really looking forward to watching. Um, one thing I did want to mention too, K-State ha- has given up, um, has given up 30 points on the season, none of which Daniel Green has been on the field for. Just a, just a note there. Wow. No, that's a really good point. Um, and yeah. Through, one through, thing, uh, through six quarters. Yeah. One thing, too, that I, I want to mention is, you know, so much of the hype this year, kind of from the, the defensive backfield, it, it was on Julius Brent's, um, the transfer from Iowa. 
and you know, I think K State fans are were you know were able to see it last year, and I you know I haven't heard maybe as much talk about it, but uh, Echo Boydo, people don't really throw at him much. Like no. he 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 is pretty much just I I don't want to say because he's going to get his work he's going to get a good workout this week uh, with with Carson Strong and crew, but man, he has really almost in a full calendar year became a lockdown corner for K-State. I mean, and I don't think that's really, I don't think I'm overselling that. Am I? No, I don't think you are either just because you're, you're absolutely right. He's, he's not really directing much attention from the quarterbacks. Um, and it, it's crazy because I, I missed like his ascendancy kind of. Oh, it, 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 me by. it happened essentially for, Lack of a better term overnight. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, against I think his his first real big action last year was against Oklahoma. He comes yep. into that game, uh, plays well. K-State's able to uh, to pull off the upset. And ever since, he has just been, you know, dynamite for K-State. I mean, he, it's really been a, you know, kind of a remarkable thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know – Last year, you had, you had AJ Parker, and the guy we really liked was Justin Gardner, mostly. Yeah. And he had his rise kind of in that OU game, too. And But Echo Boydo was just, I mean, I I know he got a lot of attention among the fan base and, and even some in the press, but I just, for whatever reason, I just really didn't. I knew he was good and solid, but I didn't realize he was you know, becoming a superstar. And that's really what I think he's becoming so far. And so uh, credit to him for a guy who's been in the program for a little bit and just found an opportunity to get on the field and made the most of it because he too looks to me like he could challenge for an all-conference spot too. If, uh, if things Yeah. I, I think right now you have to look at, at a couple different, uh, a couple different players on that K-State defense that, uh, that could be challenging for that, but a lot of football to be played here. Uh, in, uh, Dilu, anything you want to wrap up with here uh, before we close the book on the Southern Illinois game? Uh, just the, uh, you know, we talked about it coming into the season a little bit uh, with the kicking game. A uh, little bit of a concern there on Saturday yep. is, uh, is we missed a chip shot, um, one that we really could have used yeah. because the game uh, certainly was still very much in question. But uh, something to keep an eye on. Um, had a nice, one nice kick. Uh, and then one kick that didn't uh, go so hot, but we're uh, we're continuing to monitor this here at the short side option. Yes, we sure are. The kicking game is is never never concerning until it is concerning. And uh, yeah, that missed field goal that uh, that K State had, you know, was a it, it was something that I mean, gosh, what was it? It was only like a. 35 yarder it might have even been less than that those, those are ones you count on uh but k-state was able to uh to, to find a way i have to ask d lou k-state punches it in for the touchdown uh they kick the extra point to go ahead 31 23 which is what the final score ultimately ended up being so illinois had the ball with with plenty of time to well, minute 57 in college football that's that's enough time to to move the ball uh, pretty quickly down the field ever really much of a concern. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Absolutely. You, you, so you were getting a little nervous, a little nervous. Uh, no, for sure. I mean, 
it's uh you know we've been in enough of these games that we know that uh it's hold on and pray because uh i mean this is this is a game that would have killed k-state i mean losing to southern illinois at home that's it's hard to bounce back from that i mean we can we can move past an ugly win but um this is a game that we absolutely needed to have otherwise it would just sour the whole season and so when when southern illinois was driving with the chance to tie there at the end it's it was very much in doubt and so i uh luckily felix got it done again um and uh took care of business but yeah i was not super confident there uh in the fourth quarter at any point yeah i felt pretty confident on that final drive uh, I, I was a little bit worried, though, when we were driving the ball down uh, before ultimately scoring a touchdown. I was a little worried that if we, we kicked a field goal, we might be in some trouble. Um, but thankfully, getting that touchdown, being able to stop them uh, after they got into Kansas State territory. But uh, I, I felt the defense was going to make enough plays, and, and thankfully they did. So it, it was definitely um, – a one that you might have had to chew a few nails th- to get through, but uh, K State gets it done uh, and wins 31 23 against the Salukis. Well, D Lou, let's go ahead and uh, transition here to the Nevada game. Uh, this is a big matchup. Both teams re- uh, receiving votes here in the AP and coaches poll, top 25 polls. Gosh, this is a game that, uh, you know, we looked at before the season and Nevada, maybe we weren't quite as read up on them as maybe some, I, I had probably thought that this might be a bit tougher of a test for K state. Uh, well, yeah, that was, that. I think you called that the hipster uh, point of view that, uh, that Nevada was going to be the tougher game out of the two between. Uh, yeah. And, Nevada. And, and, you know, I would have, uh, I would agree with that. The one thing that I would say though, that the Stanford game was more important because it was the first game, but, uh, but with Nevada, this is a team that is coming in to Manhattan with a quarterback that uh, goes by the name of Carson strong. He is rapidly kind of ascending his way to the top of NFL draft boards uh, for, for next year's upcoming draft, a uh, big time quarterback, a prolific down downfield thrower as well. Uh, certainly a guy that is able to stretch the defense for the Wolfpack. He's got a good stable of receivers, uh, Torrey Horton, Romeo Dubes, and uh, Cole Turner on the tight end, uh, three leading pass catchers for him. Um, Gosh, this is a, a team that when you think of what kind of what Nevada has presented uh, previously, they've always seemed to have, a you know, a really nice offense. And, you know, it, this is going to be really no different here for, for what the Wolfpack are going to bring into Manhattan. This is a, a pretty strong team that is certainly headlined uh, by that prolific offense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, the story of the game is going to be Carson strong. He, he is Nevada's beginning and end yep. because that that's a guy who, you know, I've, I've broken down the film on Nevada. We've been grinding on that. And, and I was only able to watch the Cal game, but that's a guy that, that they rely on to do just about everything for the offense. And they, they run a little bit, but, but that offense runs through Carson strong for the most part and his arm, because he can make, Pretty much every throw that uh, that throw across the field that I talked about earlier against Southern Illinois that Howard tried to make, uh, well, 
Carson Strong makes that throw pretty routinely. Uh, just got unbelievable arm strength, great, great talent, puts the ball pretty much wherever he wants to put it. And, and Nevada's offense is really fun to watch because they are very YOLO when it comes to uh, throwing the ball downfield. Yeah. Um, their offense is predicated on those big, talented wideouts going deep um, and uh, the, the great tight end, uh, what's his name, Turner? Yeah, Cole Turner. Uh, he's what six six two forty. Just a, that guy's going to be playing on Sundays too, and so they use him in a number of different ways. But look for him to be all over the field in the middle, going to the flag, whatever, whatever needs to be done because Carson Strong can make it. Um, but it's it's a high flying offense. It's just mad bomber, throw it deep, and. Uh, if, if you're not careful, they'll, they'll punish you in the middle of the field too. So it, it's a very intriguing offense and a fun one to watch um, when they're not playing K-State. But given what we talked about with the secondary, I think it's a pretty intriguing matchup for both sides. Yeah, you know, this is kind of an opportunity for K-State so far to match what has been the strength of their team, their defense, uh, more in particular, possibly their secondary. Uh, you could easily point to really any three of the levels uh, of the K-State defense, and you could make an argument for them to have be the uh, respective st- strength of this team. You know, with this matchup, I think it comes down to what kind of pass rush can K-State get uh, on, on Carson Strong? Are they going to be able to get uh, pressure with three, which they have had uh, the ability to get at times – uh, against Stanford as well as Southern Illinois, you know, Felix Anaduke, uh, Uzama, I got, got to get that last part of that name in there. Now uh, he, uh, he has been like he, he, maybe a big time coming out party. I think it's fair to say uh, against Southern Illinois, be interested to see if he can follow it up. Uh, but also too, with what the defensive line ha- has, has shown with kind of a, a nice variety of pieces, whether it's boom, Massey, uh, Nate Matlack involved as well, um, alongside Khalid Duke um, as well. Lots of options there. I think K-State uh, has a couple different horses that they can kind of move through that defense line, stay fresh, because it's going to be a hot one on Saturday. And, and to be out there uh, chasing around Carson Strong, who's going to throw the ball, I mean, gosh, 40 times a game, I think, is, is almost uh, something you can probably set your watch to. Uh, possibly more. So they're going to be getting plenty of work uh, going after strong and, and being able to stay, th- stay fresh on Saturday is going to be a big thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you nailed it. it. This is, like I said, just a really intriguing matchup for K-State. This is the type of offense that I think really suits them as a defense. I mean, you know, if I've said it before, but if your strength is, defending the pass, then you want to face an offense that wants to try to pass. And if your offensive strength is passing, you want to face a defense that isn't so good at defending the pass. And so from a matchup perspective, I think it's, I give the edge to K-State just from a schematic point of view uh, when Nevada's offense is on the field. But that being said, with an offensive uh, passing attack that's as strong as Nevada, uh, they might just be able to to succeed against a good passing defense. Uh, but if, if K-State can get home with three like they did against Stanford several times uh, two weeks ago, then I really like K-State's chances because uh, 
doing so will let him sit back and, and put eight in coverage, which is uh, something that Carson Strong could probably deal with, but it's it's tough for any quarterback uh, to, to deal with that sort of thing. And, and Strong isn't a guy who's going to take off and run. Um, this is a guy who's very talented, like I said, can put the ball anywhere on the field that he wants. But a little bit like Jason White, if, if K-State fans remember. Uh, <laughs> that's that's, a, that's an interesting comparison. Where he's a very talented quarterback, can, can throw it deep, has great receivers but a little stationary in the backfield. And, and if K-State's uh, defensive line can get home against a Nevada offensive line, which is, you know, I, I would call them average. Uh, it, and that's maybe being a little, a little charitable, but um, I think K-State can have a lot of success if they can uh, get a rush with three men. What stuck out or what stick sticked out to you when you watched that Nevada Cal game uh, for, for me, one thing that I noticed from this Nevada uh, offense is they can run the ball, but this is not an offense that when they're, when they run the ball, they're running the ball as, as a complete changeup. They, they really don't have any, you know, any real desire to go ahead and, you know, establish some sort of balance. They're, they're perfectly fine saying that we're going to throw the ball two thirds of the time that we're dropping back here. But, you know, when they do hit it, it you're going to have a lot like if they run the ball three times, they might ha- they might have two rushes for maybe a yard or two. And then maybe it's on that third one on, on like a third and six. They kind of catch you by surprise where you think you're throwing in. They'll, they'll bust one for, you know, 10, 12, 15 yards. Uh, it's a it's a running game that I'm not overly uh, necessarily concerned about, but something that that definitely is part of their offense. But more of it as a, as a change of pace, uh, you know, their, their fastball is, is their passing game, but, uh, they'll drop down a change up maybe when you least expect it, uh, with that running game. Yeah. It's the running game. Isn't, isn't anything that they necessarily try to emphasize and, and you can't really blame them, uh, when you have a passing attack as potent as theirs. I mean, they have two running backs, Toa Tua and Devonta Lee. And, uh, each of these guys are basically carbon copies of each other. They're both, you know, five nine, two. What are they? Two ten. Toe is two ten, and Devonte Lee is uh, two thirty five. So two kind of short, heavier backs that that aren't going to terrify you, but they're capable enough. But but Nevada's bread and butter is passing the ball, and what stuck out to me just about a couple things stick out to me about Nevada's passing attack that we haven't already touched on. First is Carson Strong has a lot of trust in his receivers because the whole offense, like I said, is based on really taking shots downfield. Um, you know, Carson Strong, you, you look at him, and this isn't necessarily a guy who's going to complete a high percentage of his mm-hmm. passes. Yeah. I mean, in, in the Cal game, I think he was, let me pull it up here. I've got it pulled up 22 of 39. Yeah. So he, he's, it's not as though they're it's a Texas tech offense, which a Texas tech of old offense where they're just dinking and dunking down the field. And you see a guy complete 70% of his passes and and just be hyper efficient there. But Carson Strong's game is taking shots downfield, especially to Cole Turner 
Um, that's the guy he trusts the most. And it's easy to understand why, given that he's six, six and has just a very wide catch radius. Um, but just to take some of those shots downfield, it requires a lot of trust and it, it pays off enough to, uh, to end up with some obscene passing numbers in terms of yardage. The second thing that sticks out to me is that Carson strong is not an easy guy to fool. I mean, this isn't a guy that, you know, I'm going to compare him to another bring up another Oklahoma quarterback, a guy like Landry Jones, where he gets really rattled, um, where you bring different stunts and, and his, his head's on a swivel a little bit and it's easy to get under his skin and, and kind of fool him uh, schematically. No, I think Carson Strong's a guy who's really confident sitting in the pocket. Like I said, he, he's not very mobile at all, but it's a guy that I don't think Joe Klanderman will, will see a lot of benefit in, in, um, you know, really challenging with, with different schemes and especially different blitzes because he's, he's just very comfortable dishing it off and, and has a great understanding of the offense. So uh, those are the, those are the two main things that stick out to me about the Nevada offense based on what I was able to see in the Cal game. Yeah, that's, that is a great uh, summary there, D'Lo. I wanted to also to mention with these uh, wide receivers uh, that are coming in here, yeah, this is really with what K State is, you know, more accustomed to seeing what K State fans, I should say, are more accustomed to seeing in a Big 12, uh, maybe of old, where they have the prolific, um, prolific quarterbacks and good pass catching receivers. Uh, this is a, this is a little bit of a slice of that, uh, kind of from those, um, you know, late. Uh, late 2000s, uh, early 2000, uh, 2010s with uh, these high-flying offenses of Texas Tech, of Oklahoma, of Oklahoma State, of Baylor, where you have these super athletic wide receivers and a, a, a trigger man that's going to be able to put it all over the field. So K-State fans will be able to watch this and, and maybe have some uh, appreciation for kind of the matchup that, that they're going to have their defense uh, see there on Saturday. You know, let's go ahead and uh, transition here. Uh, to the K-State side of things, looking at it from their offensive perspective. We've touched on uh, what Will Howard, uh, the struggles he showed on Saturday. If you're Courtney Messingham and you've got the whole week to get ready here, knowing that Will Howard is going to be your starting quarterback, you know, and and things also, I think that's something to there is something to be said for that, uh, having the whole week to, to prepare for this. And not only is it something for, for Courtney Messingham to, to be able to develop a game plan in a, in a couple maybe initial scripts here uh, for Will Howard and the offense, but also for Will Howard and for the rest of the offense too, knowing like, hey, this is going to be the guy that's going get, get to uh, get the reins here on Saturday. I think that that will make a big difference in terms of, what Will Howard's play is, uh, at least, you know, I'm certainly hoping that anyway, with what's, I'm going to put my, have you put yourself in, in Courtney Messenham's shoes. What does your offensive game plan look like with Will Howard uh, at the helm? You know, going, going into the game, I, I think it's a, a very simple game plan for Courtney Messingham and at least at the start. And I think that's just run the football over and over and over again until it's becoming a liability and, and you have to pass. I mean, I think that, that I say that for a couple of reasons. First, uh, Nevada's run defense is, is not very good. 
Um, I watched the Cal game, and I think Cal lost that game because they went away from the run too early and too often. Uh, multiple times they were driving down the field, getting big chunk plays in the run game. Uh, they get have one play where the run game gets stopped, and then they throw two passes, and that's the end of the drive, kick a field goal. Um, I, I think that had Cal stuck with the run game and just battered and bruised uh, this Nevada defense that they would have had more success and finished off some drives a little better. And so I think K-State, the bread and butter of this K-State offense, even with Skylar Thompson uh, was on the field, is the run game. And so I think it's this, like I said, for the K-State defense, if you're a running offense, you want to face against a team with a pretty bad run defense, and that's exactly what they're getting this week. And so I think there's an inclination, uh, especially among fans, and I think we see it in offense coordinators sometimes too, where you have a struggling quarterback, you have a situation where, you know, we have Will Howard who had kind of a tough game and needs a boost of confidence. And so you think, okay, well, let's go in there. Let's, let's start out with some easy passes just to kind of get him in a rhythm and, and get his head right. When really, I think this week, any, any time spent trying to work on Will Howard's psychological issues or, or his confidence is time wasted. I mean, just run the football. I think you have one of the best running backs in the country in Deuce Vaughn, a pretty darn good offensive line and a couple other good running backs and also a quarterback who's shown over his short career so far that his strength is running the football. And so I think that you put together a, a good solid running game and you run the ball 35, 40 plus times on Saturday and see if Nevada's defense can, can stop you. Because frankly, I don't think they can without devoting just obscene amounts of attention to the run game. I'm talking eight or nine in the box. And if that's the case, then yeah, do what you have to and, and throw the ball. But, you know, we've seen a couple games throughout the last 20 years where K state just comes in and runs the ball 45 times a game, 45 times in the game. I mean, it was the earlier this week we were talking and I made reference to that, 2009 Texas A&M game where K-State ran the ball 45 times. I think they threw maybe four or five passes that game and ended up putting up like 62 points or something. And so, uh, yeah, that, that A&M game, I'd ha- I mean, I, gosh, I, when, when you were talking about that, uh, I was thinking of the, um, the 2010 Texas game, of course, that that's the one that's well known as as where you know Colin Klein came in there and had his coming out party, only throwing the ball I think it was four times in the game. But uh, no, that that Texas A&M game, uh, K State was able to uh, really give a shot to the Aggies. I think you might be. I don't know if you're mixing up games because I I certainly don't remember how many times they threw it in that one. But uh, no, I think your points your points a good one. I mean, you're, you're right. K State did throw the ball 19 times that game, but they ran the ball 52 times. Well, geez, I mean, you're running um, the ball so for it, nearly 75 plays is, is usually a pretty good. Uh, if you're running 75 plays of offense, that's usually a pretty good, um, a pretty good sign. So, you know, one thing I'll mention too about this. And, and, I, I, I should know, go that, ahead, go ahead. I should, go note ahead. That a, I should note that A&M turned the ball over six times that game. They did. They. Uh, but, who was the quarterback? Was that Gerard Johnson still? Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, it was Gerard Johnson, 21 completions, 45 attempts, three interceptions. Oh, wow. uh, 
and three fumbles for the Aggies. Nice to see that we get a Gerard Johnson uh, uh, reference here on the short side option this week. Cross that one off your bingo card uh, if you're playing at home, folks. Uh, the one thing, too, that I wanted to mention that I, I think was you know particularly pertinent from what you had uh, from your previous point there was you don't have any time for Will Howard uh, confidence building. Like that's, you don't have time for him to, you don't want to see us go out there and try to get him a couple of easy passes early on. You want us to come out and run the ball immediately and, uh, and get after it that way. Right. And, and part of that's because a, I think we're going to be able to have success running the ball, but B, I think that uh, I don't have confidence in Will Howard making those throws. And, and if this is something that takes two and a half, three and a half, maybe even four drives to, to get Will Howard into a spot that he feels comfortable in. Um, we could easily find ourselves down two or three scores at that point. And so if the game plan has come out and run the ball 45 times, then, you know, it, it's like the old phrase, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. You, you can't run the ball all game if you don't start in the first quarter. And so I, I think in order, I think the game plan is simple and that's just, See if Nevada can stop K-State's rushing attack, which is shown to be pretty dynamic, can run it inside, can run it outside, can run it with three different running backs. We even gave it to the fullback last week. And then you have a guy like Will Howard, who's a bit of a load to bring down in his own right and can get out in the open field and, and make teams pay there. So I think, you know, we've seen K-State develop this solid. And by the way, the jet sweeps. Yeah. And so this is this is a, a running offense. It's pretty dynamic. It makes stretches defenses across the field just with the running game and you know i i so no i i don't have any time for will howard to be to coddle his confidence this week because i think it's a this is the opportunity this is the perfect defense for a potent k-state rushing offense to really punish and so why bother spending time trying to you know fix howard's tunnel vision in the first quarter and when that's not even a given when you can be getting four yards a clip running the ball. Well, I think that the one critique I would have with that is because you're going to have to have them throw the ball effectively to win this game. I feel like I don't think your case is going to be able to be one dimensional in this game and be able to win. So I think they're going to have to have, whether if it's in, whether if you want to try building his confidence in the first quarter or whether if you're going to just count on him in later parts of the game, I think Will Howard's going to have to make some plays throwing the ball. And if you don't have any confidence in him to do that, then I almost think you have to start questioning why is he playing then? And with that being said, I don't quite know what you're going to see from K-State this week, but I think you have to at least show a little bit of semblance of balance early in the game because otherwise Nevada's going to be able to, to – to just load up that box and we're going to be uphill with that. And if your quarterback's not able to throw, then what's he doing in there in the first place? Is, is that an actual question? <laughs> it, it's a rhetorical question. I, I guess you because could say, I think it's a darn good question, but um, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying and, and you're assuming that Nevada is just going to, Oh yeah. I mean, what you're saying enough attention to, force K-State to give K-State no option other than to pass. Well, assuming that they watched any sort of film on the game yesterday or on the game last week. And then from, from previous uh, from last season. Yeah. I would, I would say that. Yeah. I mean, if, if they're just doing one-on-one -on -one coverage across the field, then yeah, you don't really have 
much of a choice. I mean, K-State's going to have to throw the ball. I mean, you're not going to be able to run the ball. I mean, you you can run the ball 45 times in this game. You might not average more than three yards a carry because they're going to have eight or nine guys in the box. And, you know, I don't know if this – I think this K-State running back stable is is probably, you know, as capable and as good of a a running back group as K-State's had in some time. And having those – number of options where you can go, you know, three or four guys deep, uh, I think is really beneficial in this game because I don't want to have to have Deuce carry the ball 35 times necessarily, but between him, Joe Irvin and and Jacardi, Wright, I don't, I don't mind having him carry it 45 times there. Uh, and like you mentioned, Will Howard in the mix, Malik Knowles on jet sweeps, Philip Brooks on jet sweeps. I mean, I think there are enough ball carriers for K-State to carry it. However, no matter who's carrying the ball, if K-State doesn't have any semblance of, of a passing game and is just allowing uh, Nevada to stack the box, it's, it's going to be tough. Well, no question it, about it. My, I'm not saying that they can't let Will Howard ever throw a pass. I, I recognize that K-State's going to have to pass the ball. But if you had your druthers, you would, if you had your druthers, he would not be passing the ball one time. My druthers would be K-State runs the ball 65 times, passes the ball zero times. But um, – no, I recognize that Howard's eventually going to have to throw the ball. My point is that I don't really want us to devote time to trying to get him into a rhythm. Sure. I want to, I, I'm, I with want to, I'm with you. I want us to throw when it, the opportunity is forcing itself on us. You know, it, unless they're devoting eight, nine guys to the running game, I want us running the ball. And you know, if they what, are devoting that much attention and Howard still can't make the play, then – give him then yank him because I think we could find intramural players for K-State who could complete passes uh, to some decent K-State receivers uh, one-on-one. What I'm saying is what we should do is kind of adopt the Jonathan Beasley offense here for this game. Like if we're going to throw the ball, go for broke, you know, I mean, because anything like intermediate, I feel a little shaky with Will Howard throwing. So we'll see. We'll see. And you know what? Maybe he comes out this week and makes us, you know, eat crow and, and delivers a fine performance where he's super efficient, takes care of the ball, and is able to uh, to make to make some timely throws for K-State. But, you know, I have some serious concerns about it. I know you do as well. Um, let's go ahead and give a prediction. I mean, is there anything else you want to kind of talk about here before we, before we do that? Yeah, there is. Because I – you know, talking about the K-State passing game, I, I think there are ways to simplify it for him. And that's just to say to when K-State is forced to pass, you just give them one simple option. You say you're going to throw it to Malik Knowles on this play because under my scenario, it's Nevada ain't got anyone over the top. And so if, if we're running it like we should and Nevada is devoting as much attention as I think they're going to have to in order to stop it, then you're going to have guys on the outside who are, who are in one-on-one coverage. And then you're not in a situation where Howard has to go back and evaluate five different receivers to see who's the best option for him. And so if I, I, I agree with you that go for broke, if, if, if Nevada's not, you know, paying attention to the deep ball, then you say, this is where you're throwing it. And you're not throwing to Deuce Vaughn on the, on the arrow route. You're, you're throwing it to, you were to Bay Bay downfield. You're throwing it to. That's a guy uh, I want to see some get some targets this week. Is is uh, Matter Bay Bay? 
yeah, and, and that's a guy that was open at times last week, but Tunnel Vision took uh, Howard to K-State's one receiver who's going to get the most attention on every play, and that's, and that's Deuce Vaughn. And so I, I think that uh, Klein and Messingham have their hands full in terms of trying to put together some semblance of a passing attack, even when it's the defense is really giving it to you on a silver platter. But this is, again, an ideal scenario for, for a quarterback like Will Howard, where you have so much attention devoted to the running game that the opportunity presents itself for a lot of big plays for him. If only he can stand in there and get the ball to the, uh, to the right receiver. Well said, well said. I mean, there are things that case they can do to make it, make it simple for, for Will Howard, you know, keeping him ahead of the chains, you know, where he's got second and six, third and two, second and four, you know, just, you know, easy downs to work with to where he's not faced with a third and 11, third and, third and 12, where he's having to find the sticks, uh, you know, in, in having to get the ball down, push the ball downfield, uh, you know, in that situation, K-State's, if K-State's playing behind the chains, they're going to be in trouble, no matter if it's Will Howard or Skylar Thompson, at quarterback. So that's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, you know what I'd like to see a little bit more of? Screen game. Yeah, no, I'd like, I think to, see, that... like to see some screen game. That can be something that is a high percentage pass, easy delivery, gets the ball out uh, pretty quick. For Will Howard, this is, I mean, gosh, I, I don't want to sound like I'm just absolutely browbeating the guy, but this is a kind of a make it or break it uh, game for him, uh, in my opinion. Uh, these next presumably two to three weeks where uh, where it looks like Skylar Thompson's going to be out for. And let's go ahead and talk about that. What looked like a, a most likely a season ending injury for Skylar Thompson has been deemed a little bit less severe. Uh, he's kind of right now, I believe the term is out indefinitely talks anywhere from two to four weeks that he, that he could be back uh, for the Wildcats. You know, I, I chalked it up to him being done for the season after uh, after, you know, what I was able to see and kind of what the initial reaction was. Thankfully, K-State got some good news on that front, which is certainly welcomed. Um, but over these next couple of weeks for Will Howard, you know, uh, uh, an up and down season last year for him, to say it mildly, he was thrown to the wolves in a position that he probably wasn't quite really equipped for or ready uh, to, to kind of take that role on after Skylar Thompson left for K-State uh, with injury. You know, we're looking at it here. I mean, this is kind of a, it seems like a, a make or break a uh, couple of weeks here for Will Howard uh, in terms of his career here at K-State. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's it's make or break for him. And, and you know, based on what we heard in the offseason where K-State's got the best backup quarterback in the country and all that, it's certainly possible that this last week was totally an apparition and that he just caught him off guard or, or just had a horrible game, which happens. And, and maybe he has taken a big step in the off season. We didn't see that on Saturday, but that possibility certainly exists too. So we might come out and see a, a different quarterback, but I'm, I'm thinking my lucky stars, just like you are that the, the Skylar Thompson injury doesn't seem to be a, yeah. a season ender. And, you know, if we can survive maybe to the, you know, I've heard people hopeful to get him back before the OU game, uh, frankly, that I, has I to be that has to be maybe a bit of a long shot. Uh, you know, certainly, I mean, 
granted, I, I'm not his doctor. I don't know what, how, how his knees feeling. Um, but gosh, that seems like it might be a little bit quick to bring him back for, uh, because after that OU game, they do have the bye week before, uh, hosting Iowa state. I mean, God, it would be great to have him for that OU game. Um, because that is a game that, you know, realistically, K-State could be undefeated going into. I mean, no question about it. Uh, to have that opportunity uh, against what presumably will be an undefeated OUT would be would be a great opportunity for K-State to go for three in a row against the Sooners. But that seems like it might be a little quick. Yeah, maybe so. But, but the point remains that uh, it sounds like this isn't something that's going to yeah. last the duration of the year. And uh, K-State should have um, – Skylar Thompson back for the bulk of conference play. Um, and if they can get by Nevada first and, and Oklahoma state, you know, at this point in the season, win one of the next two and I'm feeling okay about things. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, that uh, certainly both are within reach given how pedestrian Oklahoma state's looked early in the year. And so two very winnable games for Will Howard uh, that would certainly endear him to K-State fans more than, uh, he he currently stands. Yeah, absolutely. Great to hear that. Uh, you know, bit of news uh, that uh, the knee for Skylar Thompson looks to be in a lot better shape than what was originally uh, assumed. So, Dilo, let's go ahead and get a prediction out of you. Man, Icon, I I like this game for K State. I think, like I said, I think on both sides of the ball that it, it plays into K State's favor. I think, you know, K State's defense wants to go against an offense that wants to pass downfield. And I think K-State's offense wants to go against a defense that isn't really good at stopping the run. One thing we didn't touch on, uh, Nevada's got a pretty good pass rush. They have, uh, you know, they had a defensive end who was causing a little bit of havoc. I think their pass defense is about average. But their run defense looks like a weakness to me. Uh, I think, like I said, the game plan for Courtney Messingham is relatively straightforward. Run it early, run it often, and when the opportunity presents itself, which it will for Will Howard to throw it downfield, I think you you jump at that opportunity only when you have to. But uh, but that should be a chance for Will Howard to make some easy throws for big gains. And so I like I like the matchup for K State's offense. I like the matchup for K State's defense. It's it's going to be a matter of really can K State's defense cover these really talented wide receivers, and of course Cole Turner. Um, you know, I, th- I think this is the offense that the three-three-five was built to stop. Um, and so credit to Klanderman for – credit to Klanderman and Kleinman for putting together that uh, that scheme in the offseason because I'm, I'm certainly glad we have it this week and that we're not going to be relying on on Cody Fletcher to be out there trying to guard, trying to match up with somebody like the six-six Cole Turner. Um, all that said, I, I, I think K-State scores some points, and I think they they hold Nevada to, to – about three touchdowns. I think K-State wins this game 31 to 21. Wow. 31, 21 for the cats. Okay. I like it. Um, gosh, you know, it's against my better judgment. D Lou. Cause I, I look at this game and it's a game that I, I feel like K-State has probably the better roster in terms of just an overall team. However, Nevada's got the best player with Carson strong at the most important position quarterback, and they've got a plenty explosive offense. But what I think is the difference in this game is this K state defense. And what I think is going to be a a good lively crowd 
um, at uh, at the Bill on Saturday. I think K State is going to have to struggle to move the ball offensively at times, and it's not necessarily going to be easy. But I think you're going to see either a defensive or a score on special teams for K State to kind of swing the momentum in this game. And I've got them winning 28-24. Cats finish the non-conference portion of the schedule at three and zero. I like it, Icon. I like it. You kind of you kind of twist my arm into into kind of going out here on this one. I I think that this, but like I like I said here, you know, earlier, it is a huge game for K State in terms of you know being able to close out the non-conference schedule uh, undefeated and having you know really gosh two pretty impressive wins. Uh, Stanford, who after K State really thoroughly dismantled them uh, in in Arlington. A lot of the headlines and a lot of the talk surrounding Stanford um, was, man, this what is wrong with the Stanford Car- Stanford Cardinal program? Is David Shaw coaching for his job? What you know, what's going on here with this once uh, this one once proud program that they respond the next week by going out and uh, blowing out USC in the Coliseum, getting uh, uh, Clay Helton uh, fired uh, as the coach of the Trojans. And you look at what, you know, has taken place with with Nevada. They've gone out and they've, you know, beat a a good Cal team on the road. You know, this would be two pretty nice wins here for K-State in the non-conference. And and, uh, this would be a pretty impressive uh, to close out this non-conference stretch 3-0 heading to Stillwater. Yeah. Well, and you you brought up a good point that that – this crowd is going to be a, could be a factor on Saturday because you know, the last time that Carson strong played in front of a crowd of greater than 32,000 people, you know, Statman, I don't, what do you, what do you got for me? All the way back on September 7th, 2019. Okay. When the Nevada Wolfpack went to Oregon in front of about oh. 51,000 people in Austin stadium, you know what the score of that game was icon late on me deal. It was a 77 to six in favor of the ducks. What, what did Carson strong do that day? You know, uh, I was, I was looking at that. He, he had a pretty good numbers actually. Um, let me pull it up here. Good numbers is I guess somebody could have it again. They get beat 77 to six. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, I take it back. You know what Carson strong did that day? He went uh, 13 of 25 for 89 yards and two interceptions. You know, not not a great day at the office there. No, yeah. and obviously a, a receiving core that's um, uh, a little more complete for him now, um, but uh, a little more developed. But, you know, for this all-world quarterback, this is going to be the first real hostile environment he's played in in, in over two years. And his, his last test in, in an environment like this, uh, probably didn't earn him a passing grade. Yeah, so, you know when you watch the the Nevada Cal game on uh, on replay, uh, the lunatics out in Berkeley they're not really providing too much of a uh, of a raucous feel there in uh, in uh, in in Berkeley. That that was a pretty quiet. It looked about like eh, thirty thousand people there. I, I, I should have rephrased 35,000 people uh, attended the Cal game. So uh, okay. more than 32, but, but certainly not there for the Bruins or for the, uh, for, not for the Bruins, for the bears. 
yeah, not not an environment that I would uh, really compare to what uh, what Carson Strong's going to see on Saturday. So a chance for the Wildcat faithful, who I thought showed up pretty well for the Southern Illinois game, uh, to really get in in the head, and and they'll be they could be an important factor for K State this weekend. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, that will do it here, Dilu. Anything else you want to add uh, before we uh, we move on here to uh, to ask the icon and uh, Wildcat legend? No, other than I'm I'm really excited for this game. I, I think it's a really a really interesting matchup. It's a, what I think is a great passing defense going up a great against a great passing offense and yeah. a, uh, a I think the matchup when K-State's offense is on the field will be uh, interesting for a variety of reasons. So Yeah, and K-State enters this game as actually a two-point underdog at home. So uh, interesting to note there, uh, over under of 50 points. We both like it kind of to be right around that uh, in terms of the total score. Yours is a little bit higher, I believe. You said, you said 31-21? Yes. So, and, and I'm right underneath it there uh, with, with my score. So, It'll be uh, be an interesting game. Looking forward to seeing how things go. Well, folks, that'll do it here uh, for the Southern Illinois review and that a preview portion of the short side option podcast. But after a short break, we'll be back to highlight another in the long line of Wildcat legends and answer your questions and ask the icon. Join us after a quick break. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. You are listening to d and the Icon, where we are going to get into some segments on the show now, the first of which we like to call this week's Wildcat Legend. And Icon, this week's Wildcat Legend hails from the Lone Star State. Uh, he attended Cypress Lakes High School. His first season on the K-State roster was in 2012. He was a running back. Okay. Um, any idea where we're at so far? You know, if if you could go a little bit longer, I, I might be able to to get this to get this uh, squared away. He played high school for Cypress Lakes, like like I said, under head coach Robert Blackshear, pretty okay. ballyhooed recruit, rated the eighth best running back in Texas by the Houston Chronicle. He was number twenty eight. I think I might have the answer here, D-Lou. Any idea? Yeah. Could it possibly be Jarvis Leverett? <laughs> Jarvis Diallo Leverett, born April 21, 1994 in Houston, Texas, the son of Perline Williams. He has two siblings, majored in sociology and criminology. Like I said, his first season on the roster was in 2012, where he earned the team's Red Raider Award. Oh, and that, that's a big, that's a big deal. It's very prestigious. Yeah. Raider award, you know? Uh, so that's what he did in 2012 and 2013. He didn't play. Uh, he got some action in 2014, played in four games, ran, uh, the ball 20 times, got 67 yards. Uh, his career high game was, uh, 25 yards against Stephen F. Austin. And, uh, hit 20 more yards against uh, the University of Texas, El Paso. And man, Jarvis Leverett, that, that was an era of K-State football, especially in 2014, where it really felt to me like the offense was missing that, that key running back that, that oh, would just yeah. come in and, you know, take some pressure off the pass game. Well, the offensive line wasn't really great 
2014 and 2015 for that matter. But in 2014, I mean, that was an explosive offense, but it was just very uncharacteristically one-dimensional in terms of the pass for K-State. And, you know, it was kind of a running back by committee, you know, with, with, uh, with Charles Jones and uh, Demarcus Robinson leading the way for K-State in, in 2014. And, you know, when I look back, I remember thinking going into that season that Jarvis Leverett was a real, I, I thought he was maybe the answer at the running back position. Uh, a guy that, uh, as you mentioned, had some, had some serious height to him coming to K-State out of, out of, uh, out of school in Texas or out of high school in Texas. Y- you felt that maybe that was his opportunity, but you know, didn't, didn't work out that way. Uh, but uh but yeah, you know he uh, he did have a couple of nice moments there for K State, uh, but this was a guy that I I thought had had a really bright future at K State. Yeah, uh, kind of fed up with uh, Dana Dimmel's offense and, and not really being utilized in the in the right way. He eventually did transfer to guess where Southern Illinois. Oh, Kansas State just played them last weekend, didn't they? They sure did, and, and Southern Illinois gave them a run for their money. But they sure where, that they did. That's where Jarvis Leverett ended up and and kind of makes him an appropriate choice this week. Um, And for the Salukis, uh, Leverett did play in seven games his senior year uh, and ran the ball four times for 18 yards. So that's a pretty good yard per carry average there. Um, So you got nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, But man, that's a guy that, that I just was, was like you really confident in and uh, was, was really excited for him as a young prospect and uh, was excited to see where he would go and uh, contribute to the offense uh, at a time when K-State really was missing that uh, rushing attack in the wake of John Hubert. Um, Anything else to add uh, to Jarvis Leverett? No, no. I think that's, that really uh, is, is a good recap. You know, there were a couple running backs that, you know, came through K-State that I had high hopes for, that just didn't quite uh, that it just didn't quite work out for whatever reason. Uh, Jarvis Lover being one, uh, Tim Flanders being another one, um, Demarcus Robinson also too. Um, you know, had had real high expectations for all those guys, and you know, with Demarcus Robinson, he he definitely uh, had an impact at K State. Um, maybe not as much as you know, maybe what was uh, expected, maybe with with some of the recruiting numbers around him and all that stuff. If you if you buy into any of that nonsense, but um, yeah, you know, a, a guy that uh, that did play some football for K State and uh, you know went on to uh, to uh, transfer to Southern Illinois. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's it's memories like that. And, you know, sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't, but regardless, uh, K-State fans will always remember Jarvis Leverett as this week's wildcat legend. Now icon, uh, we're going to move into our final segment on the show, a segment, uh, we like to call ask the icon. And as the name suggests, uh, listeners can submit their questions to the short side options. Very young Chris, the icon Sork, uh, via Twitter. That's how most people do it. You can just tweet it at us or, or send us a direct message and, and we'll read it. Uh, that Twitter account is TSSO underscore podcast. Or um, you can reach us in any number of ways. Send us a letter, send us a telegram. Um, if you know one of our friends, maybe let them know. And maybe they can relay the message and might not yeah. get to us them, but they can certainly get the gist 
of the question to yeah, us. Yeah, it kind of it, it kind of have a game of telephone uh, evolve out, out of the the Ask the Icon segment. That's someone would be happy to kind of kind of work with. Yeah, it might be kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and we only have two questions this week. Uh, our first question does come via Twitter. Comes via Twitter direct message from listener Ryan Gefeller at Ryan Gefeller on Twitter. And he says, for this week's Ask the Icon segment, do you think that Will Howard was treated unfairly for his play? How much was due to lack of reps with the first team and poor coaching preparation? Watching the game, it looked like he had practiced a very limited package, and his poor play may have been more due to coaching preparation errors uh, than errors on his part. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair that's a fair point to take away from that. You know, w- with me, ultimately, I think what it comes down to is whether if it's the coaching or whether if it's the the player performance um will howard did not look good and it wasn't necessarily so much of you know whether if it was maybe the packages that he might be have been comfortable with in terms of kind of the script that he was that he was working with you know that that's that's a question that that quite frankly i don't know what what i do what i can't speculate on i should say is that so much of the talk about how Will Howard is, is one of the most improved players for K-State. Gosh, I'll be honest with you, whether it was, you know, the nature of the game and his confidence had been rattled to the point where he, he wasn't able to go out there and play confidently, I didn't see a whole lot of appreciation in terms of his overall play from what I saw uh, for most of last season. So, you know, what it, what I can say though about that question is he gets to wipe the slate clean this week, and he gets a full week of of getting uh, the number one reps, knowing he's going to get the first crack at it uh, here on Saturday uh, against a Nevada team that, uh, like you mentioned, you know has has some ability to get after the quarterback, and he's going to have to be good with his decision making, and you know, in in the games that K State lost last year or the games that K-State won, rather, with Will Howard, you know, he was able to – He there were games – He even in games that K-State won, he still turned the ball over and had some kind of bad turnovers in. He You can't have the, the three turnovers that he had, two of which were pretty much gift-wrapping 14 points to the opposition. You just can't have that. Um, or Well, I should say two of the turnovers, one of which was not his fault. One of his turnovers was directly a touchdown. The other one was a fumble where where, um, where Southern wasn't able to, to score off of. But turning the ball over, you can't have it. Uh, it's going to be something that I know has to be, have just been beat into his head all week during practice is uh, – Ball security, ball security, ball security, and, and Delu. You know, it was once said uh, by a by a famous coach. Who that famous coach is, I can't quite recall this time. But ball security is job security. That's right, man. And uh, that uh, that message rings uh, definitely true uh, for Will Howard on on Saturday. What I will say in terms of kind of that limited package uh, that Ryan had mentioned in his question. You know, they've got a whole week to install, uh, you know, a game plan here for Will Howard. Uh, this should be his his option to or this this should be a, a really good barometer in, in terms of where he's really at. And having had a, pretty much a full season of starting last year, a full offseason taking 
uh, number two reps, not number one reps, but number two reps, uh, you should see a, a big jump in his play. And if you don't, it, it might be time to look about uh, getting uh, another option there for quarterback for at, for at Kansas State. Yeah, I I have no patience for um, <laughs> the Howard excuses at this point. I mean, he's had he's had plenty of reps. He's, he had first team reps all last for the most part of last season. Uh, had plenty of reps in the in the off season to to get his handle in the playbook. I I don't know. I I think he he it's as simple to me as he played bad and uh, and that's why he looked bad last week. But I'm hopeful like you that uh, that this week where the game plan is built around him, he gets a full week of more recent first team reps. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing that's kind of the beauty of this whole situation is he gets to have the chance to pretty much wipe the slate clean this yeah. week. If he goes out and he plays well, then you know what? Nobody's that really, cha- the, that the really changes play. the narrative and also really changes his trajectory here at K-State because I don't want to be kind of the fire and brimstone guy, but I mean, th- he's really playing for his – I mean, for for lack of a better term, his, his career here continuing at K State, whether if it's as a starting starting quarterback or, or somebody that uh, might not have a have a clear path to playing time. So, very uh, very crucial n- uh, number of games coming up here for Will Howard. Yeah. Well, now Icon, we're going to take a trip to a spot that we you know, love full. Dilu, whenever I hear that that voice drop down a little bit, I know I'm about ready to get in line. Yeah, you're about to hear a smart question. I'm a really just smart question. We're, we're heading to that spot we love full well, a spot we call Philosopher's Corner. Our friend Cat Kid writes us, <clears throat> Oracle, I bring to, to, to you today a quote from a philosopher that may not sit on top of the mountain of intellect with the likes of Socrates, but in their own way has echoed a question from time immemorial. And also a plea uttered as soon as man first found words. I'm speaking, of course, of Hathaway. I quote, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. I ask, what does it mean to love the cats? And will Will hurt the cats again on Saturday? Well, what it means to love the cats is, is support them at all, at all times. Hey, that was a smart question. Um, that was a smart question here. I, I, I'm getting my snaps in here for you. Um, yeah, it, I mean, supporting the guys going out there, Iman, your face off. Rolling um, to purple. Rolling to purple. I mean, that's really what it's all about is, is, is doing what you can as a fan, as being that 12th man or that sixth man uh, when it comes to, uh, to the cats on the, on the, on the basketball court. Uh, and really just doing what you can to allow the Wildcats to roll to purple. And with, um, with what, what, uh, with what the second part of that question was is will will make uh, the Wildcats sad again. I, I, I think K-State's going to find a way to get it done. Uh, maybe against a little bit of my better judgment. I think Will Howard is going to make enough plays and maybe more importantly uh, make play a clean game and not make any crucial mistakes, I think is almost the more important part of that uh, equation. But for me, I think K-State makes enough plays. Defense really kind of saves the day. And I think the Cats roll to purple. I like it. I think that's a brilliant analysis icon. I think it was a, 
a really smart answer to a really smart question. And, and I think everyone's uh, a little more enlightened uh, having listened to it. Yeah, you know, that's certainly what we're hoping for here on the Short Side Option podcast. Uh, Dilo, before we wrap things up here, wanted to get your thoughts here on kind of what you're seeing in the Big 12 here after two weeks. You know, K-State's next game uh, is on the road in Stillwater. Um, the uh, Cowboys take it on the road this week uh, out to uh, beautiful Boise, Idaho, and they take on uh, the Broncos out on the Smurf turf. Oklahoma State has looked thoroughly unimpressive throughout their first two weeks. What 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 are your thoughts here on kind of what you're seeing out of the Cowboys and and uh, you know what are what are your kind of thoughts on that game as they head out to Boise? Well, my, my thoughts on the Cowboys is Spencer Sanders hasn't really taken the next step. I mean, we talked no. about it a little bit last no. week that that what beleaguered uh, Oklahoma State in their first game probably wasn't going to get fixed by the uh, return of Spencer Sanders. And we certainly saw that on Saturday against uh, a Tulsa team that uh, I forget who they lost to the first. They game, lost but... to UC Davis. They lost yeah. to, uh, to Hawk, our guy. Yeah, Dan, Dan Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah, a former Colorado and Boise State coach. And and they really struggled uh, against Tulsa, and that game was in doubt uh, for a good portion of it. And I, I actually watched that one on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I caught most of that game on Saturday as well. Uh, lucky for Oklahoma State, Tulsa's offense uh, wasn't uh, holding their feet to the fire too much, and, and maybe that's well, a credit to, to Oklahoma State's defense. But, man – it. That Oklahoma State game was one on that kick return. I mean, if Oklahoma yeah. State doesn't return that kick for a touchdown with like ten, I think I think Tulsa maybe had just taken the lead or just tied it up. I can't, I can't quite recall. But if they don't return that for a touchdown, I mean, at that point it's a fifty-fifty game to me. Um, so that'll be interesting. Oklahoma State's actually three and a half point underdog here at last check uh, against the Broncos. Boise State. Could easily be two and oh, they lost a, a tough one week one to UCF. That's something to keep an eye on. Um, the big game in terms of, I guess, cachet and uh, you know, maybe tugging on the nostalgic heartstrings of old. Uh, Nebraska, you kick it off. Um, in the century, yeah. Uh, in this iteration of the game of the century, Oklahoma is a 22 point favorite, you know. I haven't really been that impressed with Oklahoma. They've really only played one game, of course, against Tulane, where they, you know, had a kind of a dodgy game there against the Green Wave. Very uh, damn near lost. Damn near lost. Yeah, and you know, I don't think they're using any danger of losing to Nebraska. I wouldn't be surprised to see Nebraska maybe keep this a little bit closer uh, than than maybe the twenty-two point spread is indicated. But I don't see Oklahoma having too much trouble here. Uh, first conference game of the of the season kicks off this week as the Baylor Bears take their undefeated two and zero record on the road to Lawrence. Baylor's an eighteen point favorite in this one. Hard to see, uh, hard to see Baylor, um, you know, really having too much trouble with KU. Although I will say KU showed a little bit of a little bit of something against Coastal Carolina, maybe um, playing playing the chance a little bit closer than maybe than maybe some thought. I know. Not quite covering the spread. Uh, not quite covering the spread, but you know they were they were right in that game throughout the first half. And then uh, Coastal Carolina put some distance between them there at the end. Um, I just want to highlight two more quick 
things from the Big 12 last week. Texas got embarrassed uh, on the road in Arkansas uh, to the tune of nearly 400 yards uh, given up on the ground uh, by the Longhorns against the Hogs. They returned back to the 40 acres to take on Rice. They should have no trouble there. Iowa State, they, uh, they go out uh, to, the, uh, to uh, UNLV, take on the, uh, the running Rebels in Vegas. Um, yeah, you, 31 I, I, I said before the season that that was a sneaky game for Iowa State. Yeah, you had no idea how bad UNLV was. No, I, I really didn't. I, yeah, I they're terrible. You know, these like worst team, they're like almost UConn. Yeah, that's you don't want to ever go full UConn. No, you do talk about a program. Yeah, you talk, you know, Randy Edsel had to get out of there as quickly as he could. Um, but you know, some interesting games this week. I mean, obviously, I uh, Iowa State's going to bounce back and 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 get a nice win over UNLV. But I want to talk more about this. What's going Iowa on State. up in Maine? Let's go. What I mean? Yeah, let's talk about that. And I know we're we're, we're kind of going into a little bit more Big Twelve discussion, but I think this is important here. Is as conference play is now now upon us here with uh, Baylor and KU kicking it off. I mean, I didn't get a chance to watch the Iowa State Iowa game much, I, and especially the second half. I didn't get a chance to see any, but I was scrolling through the, the play-by-play feed, um, you know, later that evening. And I saw that Hunter Deckers was getting, getting some uh, reps there in the game when the game's pretty much out of reach. I believe it was a three score game at the time that he was starting to get some reps, but I was saying, well, I, I, I believe I texted you. I said, Hey, did, did Purdy get hurt or did he just get benched? Cause I mean, obviously he had had plenty of turnovers and, and you said he just got benched. And I said, that uh, that's a little bit something to keep an eye on. And then having heard uh, Matt Campbell's uh, comments post game, obviously it's an emotional time team just lost a, a big time rivalry game, but he didn't necessarily come back with a ringing endorsement that Brock Purdy is going to be the starting quarterback uh, next week and going forward. I fully expect that to be the case. And I think that's probably what the case will be. However, you know, if Iowa State keeps turning the ball over, uh, this team that does have uh, some serious talent, uh, they're not going to really reach much of their potential uh, if they keep shooting themselves uh, in the foot with turnovers. Yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy was yanked before the start of the fourth quarter. Now it was a 17-point uh, yeah, game. I think, yeah, but, you know, three. Still not out of it. I mean, 17 points can be overcame in a quarter. I mean, that's not not a, a totally a throwaway of a game there at that point, but I think, you know, that's, about what our, I think that's about what our lead was in, in Ames uh, in 2019. Yeah. In the yeah. Fourth quarter. Um, and so you're right. It can certainly be done, but no, I think Iowa state's a, a little bit of a team that feels like it doesn't quite have an identity right now. Um, well, just because the, the offense, you know, everyone talks about, well, I mean, I, I was defense is getting, a ton of praise it's being treated as one of the best units in the country and and rightfully so after uh holding iowa state to 17 points and and especially indiana six points but boy I, iowa state wasn't their offense wasn't exactly impressive against northern iowa either no i mean, I mean they've scored they've you scored. and i you and, iowa held them to 17 points you and i held them to 16 points and so yeah. uh they haven't broken 20 points yet uh in two games this season, one of which was against an FCS team. Now they'll probably get them. They got just what the doctor ordered here coming up. They, they play at you and then Baylor, then, then KU. And so that's, if, if there's a time to figure out what you want to do on offense uh, it's, it's certainly that three game stretch. Their first real challenge doesn't come for 
really over a month from now when they uh, take a trip to to Bill Snyder Family Stadium. But yeah, uh, no, that's a, that's an odd team. But you just get the sense that right now that the Big Twelve feels kind of wide open in terms of yeah. who's going to kind of ascend to that uh, that second spot to really challenge Oklahoma. Yeah, I think you have to kind of look at it that way. You know, Oklahoma State has looked pedestrian at best. West Virginia, I think we'll learn a little bit more about them this week. They have a big matchup uh, welcoming in uh, Virginia Tech uh, to Morgantown. West Virginia could easily be 2-0. They could have easily beat Maryland week one. A couple turnovers in that game. Cost the Mountaineers. Be interesting to see kind of how things shake out this week because uh, starting next week, uh, it's conference play, baby. I mean, yeah. we're, we're into it. And uh, Don't TCU either. What's that? Then don't forget TCU either. That that's feels like kind of a, a team coming into the season that that people yeah. were kind of talking about as a as a dark horse, and they took care of business against Cal in a close. Yeah, game they they've taken care of their business. Maybe haven't been overly impressive, but you know, right now, I mean, gosh, if K State can find a way to weather through these two games and 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 win both of them with Will Howard, we're presuming that Will Howard is going to be starting against Oklahoma State. Um, you know, you set up a pretty big stretch of games there. Uh, Oklahoma and uh, Iowa State coming to your home field, uh, you know, with a chance for you to really kind of stamp yourself a- as a as a leading contender uh, for for a berth in Arlington at the end of the season. So interesting to look at. Lots of football, lots of time between now and then. But wanted just to uh, to kind of get your pulse on the Big Twelve as as. Uh, Conference play starts here next week uh, in in full earnest, but we get a little bit of a preview here with Baylor and KU kicking it off this week. Yeah, that, uh, you know, at this point, Oklahoma feels like he gets the benefit of the doubt just because of Lincoln Riley's yeah. track record. But there, there certainly doesn't seem to be a clear-cut uh, second tier, uh, whereas coming into the season, it felt like, is it going to be Texas or Iowa State that gets there? But after two, uh, two losses in which neither of them looked – very impressive at all this last weekend uh you got to feel like teams like tcu west virginia k-state oklahoma state that 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 those teams perceived to be on kind of the next tier uh coming into the season are are licking their chops a little bit yeah absolutely well dilu let's uh let's wrap it up here on the short side option i think that'll do us do it for me is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off no let's roll wildcats to purple baby Let's roll Wildcats to purple indeed. Well, folks, that'll do it here for us on this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week to review the Nevada game, uh, tie a bow here on K-State's non-conference portion of their schedule, and look ahead to next Saturday's matchup against the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, Like this week, I should add, folks, uh, this, uh, this game against Nevada brought to you on ESPN+. Plus a 1 p.m. Central Time kickoff uh, for the Cats in Nevada this week. Next week against Oklahoma State, 6 p.m. also on ESPN+. Folks, that'll do it here for this edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. Thanks for listening. Go Cats!